Welcome to the Rural Insights Podcast, where we explore rural actions and policies that impact Michigan's Upper Peninsula and beyond. This podcast is brought to you by the Rural Insights Institute, working to ensure that rural citizens and policymakers alike have the information necessary to make good decisions. If you'd like to learn more about Rural Insights, visit ruralinsights.org. Now, here's your host, David Haynes. Good afternoon to all of our listeners. Uh, if you're one of our thousands of readers and listeners, you've, uh, you know, know who Dwayne Duray is. He's, a, he's a, the head of uh, uh, the Sawyer Air Force Base, excuse me, airport. <laughs> you can tell how old I am when I call it Sawyer Air Force Base. Uh, the, uh, uh, at, in, in Marquette County. And he's uh, what what we've all come to know as is our expert in this region about rural air service issues and certainly about the UP. So uh, we wanted to talk to him about the bigger picture than uh, than just Marquette County, what it means around the UP, what should we expect, what's driving this rural health, excuse me, this rural air service issue for us that I have in Montana, Wyoming, et cetera, they're all going through the same thing uh, in many places. So, Dwayne, welcome. Thank you for joining us again. Well, thank you, David, for having me. And I, I look forward to uh, hopefully I can answer uh, uh, some of the questions that are out there re- regarding uh, rural air service. It, it is a very, uh, a very changing environment right now. The airlines, as we know, uh, uh, are going through another reset. Uh, we seem to uh, uh, run into this in, uh, over the last handful of years where the airlines seem to have uh, 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 numerous resets, but on, uh, with every one brings new challenges. And, and many of us may recall uh, uh, the 9-11 uh, uh, issue when we, were, uh, when we were attacked and the airlines uh, quite literally shut down and we all kind of wondered what was going to happen to airline industry. And it, and it rebounded uh, fairly well and, and uh, actually uh, rebounded quicker than the analysts had uh, forecasted. Uh, then, of course, we just had the recession. Uh, uh, and then now we came into COVID. Uh, uh, and COVID added a, a whole new level that uh, a lot of uh, travelers were not anticipating. And the airlines didn't equally anticipate either. Uh, the federal government did come in uh, uh, during the uh, early stages of COVID and, and tried to assist uh, both the airports and the airlines with uh, uh, financial assistance to ensure that our our national network still uh, maintained a level of uh, um, stability and flexibility in the, in the changing environment. But with COVID, it brought in a lot of new challenges that we we at the uh, in the aviation industry knew were out there, but now they've kind of been magnified uh, uh, because COVID brought in uh, a a real change of view with uh, with both the the traveler and the the industry. Uh, I think one of the lead things that we've all noticed over the last handful of years. Sorry about that or not over the last handful of years, but over the last year is, is uh, flight reductions. And, and everybody is experiencing that across the country, not just uh, small rural airports, but a lot of the larger airports as well. 
And we've watched uh, uh, a lot of solid markets lose flights that weren't, uh, were never anticipated to, uh, or were thought to be in jeopardy. And a lot of that uh, follows suit with COVID. Uh, I can lay a little foundation as, as when COVID first uh, uh, impacted the airline industry, uh, uh, the airline started to pull down capacity and frequency because people quit flying. Uh, a lot of parts of the world were actually shut down. Uh, so the airlines uh, reacted by shutting or pulling down capacity and, and lessening the frequency of flights. With that, they also did not require as many flight crews and in, in, in supporting staff. So uh, uh, the airlines did as they uh, would normally do, or any industry in that matter would try to streamline their workforce and say, well, this is a time that if we have people who want to retire early to li limit our expenses, let's get some early retirements out there. And uh, quite a few pilots and flight crews and, and, and uh, uh, airline employees as a whole took, took that, uh, uh, that advantage of taking early retirement and they left the industry. So that Dwayne, what's the, what's the, uh, impact uh, on on the UP uh, in the sense of, now I understand in Marquette County where I fly out of a lot, we're down to one Delta flight, one American. Uh, what What's happening in the rest of the UP? Houghton, Escanaba, Iron Mountain, uh, I think of the three major uh, other airports, I, I might have dropped one. Uh, what's happening there? Well, that's that's a good question, David. Is is Marquette is not alone with the flight reductions? Uh, um, as many people know, there are six commercial airports across the UP. You have Ironwood, Iron Mountain, Escanaba, Houghton, the Sioux, and Marquette. And and Marquette is unique to itself because we're one of the few airports, or we're the only airport in the UP that is not. Uh, receiving any federal subsidy or any guarantee of flight service. The other five carriers, airports, uh, receive a program under the Essential Air Service uh, um, a group or Essential Air Service program under the DOT, and they guarantee air service. Um, those airports still maintain their flights, but they have equally uh, uh, experienced uh, flight reductions. And some airports have actually uh, received notifications that the airlines don't want to fly there anymore. Uh, a prime example is Houghton County, uh, um, SkyWest, who is their air carrier provider, uh, flies for United. Uh, they put in a request to discontinue service up in Houghton uh, because of the challenges that they're facing with flight crew reductions and uh, uh, equipment or resource management. Um, so Houghton has, has lost fl some flight service. They're still giving getting flight service at, at, at this stage right now. They're getting one round trip a day. Uh, on SkyWest. On SkyWest for United. Now there have been uh, carriers that have bid uh, to provide their service into Houghton, but at, at least at this stage, Houghton is still operating with SkyWest as a United carrier. Now Escanaba, uh, they, they have gone to piggybacking their flights with neighboring cities. So Escanaba normally would have had a flight to Minneapolis 
and a flight to Detroit, uh, all to themselves. Now Escanaba's flight schedule is going Escanaba, Pelston, Detroit. So they are partnering up with Esk or, or with Pelston because those two airports are essential air service, and, and the DOT is allowing them to uh, uh, do that due to the pilot shortage. Uh, the Sioux, they are uh, equally with that. They are flying the Sioux to Alpena and to Detroit. So they're piggybacking with Alpena. Iron Mountain, they're going uh, Iron Mountain, Rhinelander onto Minneapolis. So there's these cities are, are being uh, 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 coupled with other essential air service markets to better manage the resource for those stations and uh, to assist the air carrier in being able to at least provide the minimal air service. So the UP as a whole uh, has lost uh, um, capacity with all, all of our flights, all of our airports. So if you're, if, if, let me see if I can get this right, and, uh, tell me how I'm wrong. If you're in, uh, Sawyer is the only place with a direct flight to Detroit and Chicago. All the other areas will have a stop in between the hub. Well, it, it, there is one airport that I believe is is somewhat uh, um, uh, immune to this. It's the furthest to the west, the Ironwood Airport. Uh, I believe they are still operating uh, uh, regular nonstop service uh, uh, to Minneapolis. And 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 why is that? That that market would be. I would. My guess, David, is the uh, the very simple fact is there is no uh, near city okay. that they can they can uh, uh, partner up with that would accommodate mm-hmm. that. I know in the in years past, Ironwood used to couple with uh, um, Rhinelander uh, for service, um, but I believe the the provider over in Ironwood is not flying the the hist or the industry standard 50 seat regional jet. I believe they're uh, less than 50 seats. It is a regional jet, but Mm -hmm. uh, probably 32 to 36 seats. So that equally limits uh, the capacity to partner up with another city. So that would be my best guess, David, for for that reason. But all of the other cities are, are, are operating the 50 seat regional jet. Okay. So, so, uh, Will we see bigger jets be put in to sort of handle the pilot shortage in rural airports like the UP? Will they that's go to very 56 good. or will they stick at 50? Well, that's a very good question, David. In that one, uh, I'm hedging my bets. Uh, um, the 50-seat aircraft has been around since the mid-90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, the mid-90s don't sound like that long ago, but it's been 30 years when you think about it, that's 30 years that aircraft is uh, coming up on 30 years. That aircraft has been the backbone to the regional industry and airplanes are are well designed and well maintained and, and they're very safe to operate. But at the end of the day, uh, uh, the efficiency is what is, is going to be driving the industry. And one thing to take into mind is when the aircraft first was put into place and operated these airports, uh, um, their fuel cost was about 400% less than it is today. And the pilots' uh, uh, wages, uh, uh, the compensation for flight crews from the regional airlines, 
when the 50 seat first came out was substantially less than the main main line or the the what we would call the legacy carriers like the deltas the americans the uniteds uh, so there was a huge difference in the pay structure so the airlines could in essence generate revenue off of those aircraft flying these smaller markets with this aircraft but now fast forward to 2022 the airlines are 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 uh, struggling with managing their flight crews uh, they've had to make some serious adjustments in compensation some air uh, uh, air carriers have raised their pilots rates 20 to 60 percent for compensation which off the very top cuts the uh, profitability of those 50 seat aircraft so my my forecast uh, is that the airlines are going to be transitioning out of the 50 seaters for for a handful of reasons number one they're an old air they're an old aircraft they've uh, in many cases have have met their life uh, the economics of operating that aircraft no longer makes sense and the efficiency of moving into a larger aircraft uh, the, namely the 60 66 seat up to like the 76 seat you can add 50 percent more seats to an aircraft that is nearly as efficient as a 50 seaters with minimal changes same flight crew two pilots uh, you add an additional flight attendant but still uh, uh, the efficiency of the aircraft and the capabilities of the aircraft uh, uh, go up 50 percent uh, with the size change so the airlines are going to start to shift those out we're anticipating just in this in, in, by the end of 2023 the industry is anticipating losing about 20 percent of their 50 seat uh, uh, fleet uh, which roughly is, is roughly about 80 aircraft by 2023 and a lot of these aircraft are are going to be coming out of markets just like the ones that we have up in the UP. Uh, um, uh, so long-term, uh, the, the larger aircraft are coming in. Now, uh, uh, the challenge with the larger aircraft is anything over 61 seats uh, uh, to operate scheduled air carrier service require a higher level of security. And that is designated through the Transportation Security Administration or the TSA that we're all familiar with at the airports when we check in. And that's that's another component that's going to come into play that is definitely going to hinder some of these uh, surrounding airports in the UP. Marquette, we uh, we seen this uh, quite a few years back, and we started the process to get up to that higher level of security. And we've just recently made the full transition. Uh, we are anticipating uh, larger aircraft. Uh, being operated through Envoy Air or American Airlines, uh, we anticipate them before the end of this calendar year, which is which is very appropriate because we're going to lose a hundred seats of capacity in and out with Delta's reduction of flights. But at the very least, we are going to require or we are going to uh, recoup at least uh, additional fifty seats uh, uh, with the larger aircraft with American. So let me, uh, if I'm, uh, I am a frequent flyer out of Marquette and sometimes out of uh, Iron Mountain, Escanaba, but my home is Marquette. And uh, if I can't get on a flight, uh, I have to drive to Green Bay to get a flight. And uh, 
What about folks on the eastern end? Can they cross over into Canada to take an international flight out of Canada, out of Sioux, Canada? Oh, there's or, there is yes, you're able to do that. It, it, again, it's these flights are going to be challenged to where you're going to go. I mean, if you're if you're going international or or uh, up into Canada, that's that's all right. But there is going to be an added expense if you're going to be flying if you're going to transition over into Canada, and then uh, have to go through customs coming back into the United States someplace. So that's going to add value or add expense to the trip, and it's going to add time. So there, the uh, and, uh, well, and I think for all the travelers. You'd rather fly out of your home airport or somewhere nearby. Uh, I love flying out of Marquette. It's an you all run a great airport. It's efficient uh, and uh, it's great facilities. Uh, I've had a couple of our readers writing. They're coming home already planning a trip back to the UP for Christmas. They live in out east or downstate, and they're already worried about the flight schedule and when to get in. So there's lots of chatter. Where else can I get into? Uh, and but you're right. I mean, by the time you get into Green Bay, uh, you got to rent a car if you can get a car. Uh, and if you want a car for a round trip, it's almost you can try that. But if it's a one way, it's a whole another problem. And Car rentals are expensive right now, uh, whether you fly into Green Bay or Chicago or Detroit and drive to the UP for the second leg. It's an expensive, right? I mean, that's another consideration for the traveler is that expense. Yes, that that is a, so, there's another one. Yep, yep. The, the automotive industry uh, has not been immune from COVID as well. And we all know if any, any of the listeners have uh, recently looked to buy a new vehicle, you'll find that the car lots are nearly empty. And the rental cars, when you think about uh, their operations, the nationwide operation, they they buy uh, thousands of cars on an annual basis, and they have been struggling. Uh, we heard early on, uh, as COVID uh, impacted the airports, that the rental cars gave us heads up early on, stating that uh, expect uh, uh, limits on rental cars uh, uh, because of the, the shortage. And, and you'll look in a lot of the rental car fleets right now, they're still an older model car that they have yet to replace. So, and they're still struggling. The, the car uh, the car industry or the automotive industry and the, the dealerships still have yet to recover from that. So there's there's still a lot of challenges. And then again, you add, add to that, the fact that the airlines have pulled capacity yet down further in the flight seats that are available, uh, the airlines do very, uh, very well with managing supply and demand, and that's another component that a lot of people need to think about when they're flying from rural airports: is is uh, um, being proactive and booking as early as you possibly can, because the, as these flights fill up and they are filling up, uh, mm-hmm. uh, even at the higher cost, uh, um, the availability is going to get tighter and tighter in the airline industry at, at this stage, as much as they would like to expand, uh, they are limited. They're just like every other industry out there. If they have the help wanted signs out looking for, for a crew and in the challenge with that is they're still forecasting an ongoing shortage of pilots way out into 2032. 
they're anticipating long uh, a long leg on getting uh, uh, pilots trained to come back into the industry. They're showing Delta alone is showing roughly uh, uh, about eight thousand pilot shortage uh, uh, industry wide, and they're they're trying to bring on as many pilots as they possibly can, but it's it's very challenging, and they're pulling it. And that's where, the, where we're seeing the biggest impact is that the legacy carriers are pulling their demands for flight crews out of the regional carriers, which are supplying us with our air service. And the regional carriers are the ones who are impacted with these shortages. So, Dwayne, I read recently, tell me if it's accurate, that there is some concern in Congress the uh, United States Congress about maybe not continuing the airport subsidies to, for instance, to the UP airports, except for Marquette. What's what's your what's your crystal ball tell you about those? Boy, the Essential Air Service uh, program, David, is has been one of those programs that have have been hands off, uh, no matter what. Uh, side of the aisle you're on. And, and unfortunately, I don't think there's a state in the union that either party is affected by uh, uh, essential air service. I've watched it over the years and I've watched the, the cost of operating it continue to skyrocket. Uh, a good example is uh, 20, if I'm correct, is 2020, uh, uh, the essential air service market just for the UP was over $14 million for one year providing subsidy to all these surrounding airports. And the challenge Marquette faces is we're competing with the federal government. We don't get any subsidy and our our services provided due to the very simple fact that we have a very loyal and dedicated flying public that wants to support their local airport. And and, uh, hats off to those people. We see them coming go every day and we truly appreciate their their loyalty to the airport because without them we wouldn't be where we're at today um, but going back to what I think the essential air service market is going to be I, I I think what will most likely happen is going to be tied to uh, um, how the airlines grapples with this aircraft and flight crew issues if the airlines transition, as we know they are going to, uh, into the larger aircraft, these smaller regional airports, the expense and the time and the resources necessary to transition to a larger security airport, it may become overwhelming. And they're going to end up going to something that uh, they may not uh, um, be accustomed to. As we know, the Escanabas and Iron Mountains, they're, they're still getting a legacy carrier service with Delta and United and American. And that's what people want. What's going to happen if that service gets downgraded to something less than those carriers? What if it goes to a small uh, uh, regional independent carrier that's not connected to the airlines? And the reason I would say the challenge or the potential risk is there is we've seen when uh, uh, the airlines went from turboprops to jets. None of the air carriers now all the legacy carriers are not flying any turboprops. They have gone fully into jet service and they are not going to shift gears and go back and go back into turboprops. 
to supply a legacy connection to some of these rural airports. They're going to continue to improve their service, upgrade their, their aircraft fleet, and provide the service that the, the uh, public demands. And the potential risk, again, to the, some of these regional airports that are, are dependent on EAS is that their service may be downgraded from legacy carrier service down to some uh, uh, independent carrier that may not provide them the connectivity to the network. All right. Yeah. Well, Dwayne DeRay, thank you. You are you are the UP's Mr. Aviation, uh, and uh, you do a fantastic job as one of your regular customers. Uh, you and your staff do a wonderful, wonderful job of providing a a uh, great travel experience, even under stressful <laughs> conditions uh, yes. uh, that we all go through in, in rural areas. But thank you to all of you. And thank you for doing these, these sessions with us uh, to keep folks in the UP with some good, solid information about what, what to think about air service and, and what we can expect over coming months and years. So thank you very much for your time, sir. I really appreciate it. Thank you, David. And I wanna thank uh, Marquette uh, in the community abroad for supporting Marquette Sawyer International. Uh, without our customer base, our guests, we wouldn't be where we're at today. Well, great. Great, thank you so much. And uh, we'll see you at the airport. Okay. Thank, thank you, David. All right. Have a good week. You too. You've been listening to the Rural Insights Podcast, brought to you by the Rural Insights Institute, working to ensure that rural citizens and policymakers alike have the information necessary to make good decisions. If you enjoy our content, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and YouTube channel. You can also subscribe to our weekly email newsletter by visiting ruralinsights.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.